0: This podcast episode is powered by Afropods, the world's number one podcasting platform for African stories. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the Kenyan Words Podcast. My name Eric Kasuma will be yours today. In today's show, we have Mr. Chris Weston, who serves as the head of research at Pepperstone Markets. I'll let uh, Chris introduce himself.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Eric. It's uh, it a pleasure to be here today. So, uh, you know, I've been in the markets for about 20 years, so uh, it's good to get back, and hopefully, this year's going to show us some great opportunities for
0: Okay. Thanks, Chris, for agreeing to be part of this show today. Uh, We'll go straight, uh, generally look at an overview about how the markets and how the markets have performed this week. And we'll start with the major things that stood out in the week. I think for me what stood out really was the social media ban on Trump and what happened at Capitol Hill the previous week. And that's really escalated and we've even seen the impeachment of Trump. For you, what are the major things that stood out for you? I mean, there's there's
1: two ways to look at this. What, What happened in the market? and then obviously what happened in the news flow. I think the news about Trump and impeachment is a, a fantastically interesting political story. ...story anymore. I think they're looking at other aspects, you know, fiscal stimulus, the vaccine rollout, you know, what's happening with inflation expectations, what's going to happen with the US dollar. And moving around there, I think one of probably the big stories for me um, has been the moves that we've been seeing in the bond market and then the subsequent reaction from the Federal Reserve are the world's price maker, you know, the central to, to pretty much everything that's going on. And we've seen as a result of the movement in the long end of the bond curve, the US Treasury curve, we've seen, you know, the Federal Governor, uh, Jerome Powell, you know, talking, saying, you know, they're not going to look to taper their, their bond buying program any time soon. Mm-hmm. His deputy, Richard Clarida, coming out and saying that they're not going to look to move until inflation or core PCE moves above 2% for a whole year, which is incredible. And then you've had Lael Branyard, who's one of the architects of Fed policy as well, so talking about no need to move... So I think probably the, the, for me the big thing has been, has been a major global inflation trade that's been going through, mm-hmm. and some people have been speculating that it could mean that central banks in developed markets may have to tighten the policy earlier, mm-hmm. but the key generals have come out and pushed back on that notion, and I think that's very good for stocks and, and risk assets more broadly.
0: Okay, and what does that mean for the developments around the vaccine um, and how that related to that?
1: The vaccines, there's no doubt, it's a game changer. It's not just a game changer for the human race. But if you look at the big macro debate, it is inflation versus deflation and what that means for economic policy going forward. The vaccine gives us a level of certainty that once it's rolled out, and depending on the taking rate, the effective rate that we're hearing in, in a lot of these developers is that it will be significant enough that you probably only need about a 55-60% take up Mm -hmm. uh, and that should do enough but I think what we're looking at now with the vaccine rolled out it is part of the later 2021 story Mm -hmm. that when enough people are vaccinated there's the pent up demand that's in the system will be revealed and we're not talking about assets we're not talking about goods Goods have already been been bought. People have been using the excess cash that they've had through the COVID Mm -hmm. to buy things like kitchens, to go and do the garden up, to go and buy clothes or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. We're talking about services. In a lot of developed market countries, it's the bulk of GDP. So what I think with vaccine rollout is a game changer that at some stage this year we're going to see people spending money on services, you know, hotels, restaurants, these factors, and, and that's going to be you know, very good for the inflation story and the, and the economic cyclical recovery that we're going to see probably towards you know, Q2 and into Q3 of this year.
0: We've seen the markets have really gone up since the year it began. With I think uh, the Dow hitting some good highs recently and during the week, and I think one of the things that stood out for me was uh, I think investors certainly I think as you know are waiting details of uh, Biden's uh, stimulus package. And uh, according to media reports, the relief package could be worth as much as, I think, $2 USD. And for them, I think that they really want to aid the economy so that uh, despite the resurgence of this new strain for them, I think they want to revive the economy. What do you think would be the impact on that, on uh, the prices of, uh, let's say, assets in the market? So this could be from equities, gold and all that.
1: I mean, we've been hearing today... Joe Biden's pushed out a 1.9 trillion fiscal stimulus, so pretty close to what you were saying. I mean, it's what's been discounted into the market for some time now. So, you know, I think it's a positive and the U.S. clearly needs that level of fiscal stimulus. There's still a lot of people who are unemployed and need that level of fiscal stimulus. But 1.9 trillion has been well telegraphed and is priced into the market, you know, You've also got to remember that there's, you know, as part of that, the benefit cheques, you know, they're talking 2,000 each, and then there's going to be 400 billion going to the COVID management, 350 billion going to state and local governments. Mm -hmm. Yeah, these are massive numbers, but they're discounted in the markets. And if you think that to get through the Senate, you're going to need to see bipartisan support, Mm -hmm. then it's a pretty, for me, that number of 1.9 trillion will probably have to be scaled back somewhat. Mm -hmm. So... You know, I think there'll be more stimulus going forward and it sort of complements the idea that it will help the US repair and inflation is still the way to go. But I think this has been well telegraphed and I think this is largely priced into markets and there's not really been much of a reaction today coming from Asia. In fact, if you have a look at the bond market, we're seeing buying, which suggests that it is priced
0: in. Uh, speaking of the jobs and all that, I think uh, yesterday the, the Department of Labor released initial job claims. I think the numbers were I think around 965 in the week that's ending, and I think that has gone down a bit. I think compared to last year, things were much worse. I think things are improving. Uh, what's your take on the data that came out yesterday?
1: They were far worse than what was expected. Not, as you say, as you rightly point out, 965000 the market was looking for 789000 in the jobless claims. Um, and obviously, we lost. You know, recently, we saw a, a you know, big decline coming through in the non-farm payrolls number, which shows that the labour market really needs further fiscal support to come through. And I think it's part of the reason why the Federal Reserve is seeing some inflationary pressures and price pressures coming through. But the labour market needs to heal and they need to keep their foot on the gas as much as they possibly can to get the private sector running what they call red hot. So, you know, the labour market has repaired, but it's still a long way from where they consider full employment in the US, which is just above 4%. So this week, the last sort of seven or eight days, there's been some pretty poor news for people who watch the US labour market, you know, ADP, non-farm payrolls, and now the, the weekly jobless claims were worse than expected. So... There's clearly more that needs to be done. And for anyone who expects central banks, specifically the Federal Reserve, to start easing up and start looking at changing its language around tightening, well, they just need to look at the labour market. And, you know, it's pretty clear that they're going to keep liquidity very much abundant and they're not going to tighten any time soon. So, yeah, we'd like to see that labour market turn around. Very
0: discouraging signs over the
1: last seven or eight days that
0: Hey. And that, another interesting um, asset that has been uh, quite volatile in the week, I think, uh, it's Bitcoin. And I thought it could we touch about it. Uh, Bitcoin has been a bit volatile. And I think Monday there was a bit of um, an 18% drop that scared traders across the market. But it's gained at least, I think, by yesterday was hitting around uh, 40,000, nearly close to, yeah. to, the, to the new all-time high. What are your thoughts on that particular, on the crypto? Look, I,
1: um, yeah, I mean, the the volatility in in Bitcoin and Ethereum and and, and some of the other uh, digital assets is is incredible. Um, And for me as a trader, I I have tolerance levels where um, I I just won't touch an asset if the realized volatility or the implied volatility is is too high. Um, That said, you know, if you are dabbling around in the crypto space, You know, I think the one thing you need to understand with Bitcoin is that with volatility that high, you need to adjust your position sizing accordingly. You know, I would be running very, very small positions. Anything that can correct 20% in a day, you know, you obviously have to adjust your position size and understand how much risk you're taking on a position where your stop loss is going to be. And obviously that dictates your position size. But... Yeah, look, I I like the crypto story. I mean, I think that um, digital assets are going to play a greater role in our lives as we go on. Um, Obviously, you know, it's a bit of a cliche to say that the technology is amazing. Everyone knows that, you know, part of the blockchain. Whether Bitcoin or Ethereum are going to be the ongoing cryptocurrencies that take and and continue this evolution, you know, I can't say. But, you know, I think crypto is playing ever greater role in our our lives. I think it's something that people need to get an education on. Um, at the moment, yeah, you're right. I mean, we've got trading between forty thousand and thirty thousand. The markets are just trying to understand what's the next catalyst to take us up a little bit higher in, in Bitcoin from here. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some consolidation in the short term and just you know look for the market to have a bit of a disagreement and you know some fairly whippy market moves between those. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a bit of the catalyst of the acceleration from sort of ten thousand to forty thousand was that you know, we've seen a lot of the big whales getting in and some big institutions disclosing their positions. You know, Stan Drucker, Miller, Paul Shooter, Jones the III, there've been you know, a number of big funds in the US disclosing those positions. Of course, they disclose their positions when they're getting in. They don't disclose their positions when they're reducing their position. Why would they? Um, so I think there's been some big guys getting out and reducing, given the exponential move we've seen. So I'd like to see personally, you know, just a bit of a flush out, uh clean out those positions before we get another leg higher um i do believe in the crypto story but if you are going to trade crypto bitcoin ethereum whatever it's going to be just imagine that the volatility is so high that has to have massive implications for your position size above everything else
0: interesting as we come to a close of this podcast probably um, we can talk about the major currency pairs that you are kindling trading or watching uh, probably your thoughts on the, um, let's say USD or GBP USD, uh, given the current developments around Brexit and/or other major currencies that uh, you can give your thoughts on. I
1: think the Brexit situation in the UK is past now. Um, we've got a Bank of England meeting coming up soon, and we've got about three basis points of cuts being priced in, which I think is probably about fair. But, yeah, I mean, pull up a daily chart of the pound against the US dollar, and it's a fascinating one. All the downside seems to be contained into the sort of into the 50-day moving average, 134.30, which is trending nicely. So, yeah, we've got a series of higher lows and higher highs coming through. But if you have a look at the daily chart, you can see that around 137.04, there's a really nice pit of ceiling on the, on the trade. If we get a close above there tonight, We'll have a, a bullish outside week reversal, which pretends to a continuation move. Um, but I think if we get a break of 137.04, I think cable looks absolutely fascinating. And I think it looks pretty bullish. So I reckon you get a move up into sort of 139, 140 on that. The dollar is the really key one. You know, like the dollar, if we look at the dollar indexes, we know, that's 57% weighted towards euro dollar. Mm-hmm. If you can get your dollar call right, you're going to do pretty well in gold. You're going to do well in equities. You're going to do well in markets. It, it is so important for the global economy and asset markets more generally but you know I think we are getting to a point where we're putting a short term low in the dollar Mm -hmm. the dollar index as I say cable looks pretty good but I'm pretty neutral on the dollar now but what I am looking for in in the weeks ahead is a sign that real yields are going to start moving up in the treasury market that's inflation adjusted bond yield. when we start seeing that moving up on a more sustained basis then I'm going to say to clients that we're going to call a you know a much more constructive view on the U.S. dollar, specifically against um, you know some of the high beta currencies like the the Kiwi and the Aussie dollar. Um, but for now, we're fairly nuanced and neutral on the dollar index. But we do like able on a break of 137.04. I think if we get that, then that would be pretty good. We're pretty cautious on the Aussie dollar at the moment. We'll have to see what happens with equity markets. We've got U.S. earnings season coming up. Uh, it really starts tonight. If equity markets make another leg higher, then we'll probably like to see the Aussie dollar moving up
0: as well as a way of playing that. But for now, pretty neutral on the
1: dollar, but yeah, I think cable looks quite interesting there.
0: That's it for today. Thanks a lot, Chris, for agreeing to be part of this. Uh, maybe you can tell our audience how they can get in touch with you or follow you across your social media pages.
1: Yeah, I'm quite heavily involved in Twitter, mildly addicted to it, shall we say. Um, and, yeah, you can find me, Chris Weston underscore PS. PS was Pepperstone. And you can see me on Twitter. Twitter's probably the best place for me. I'm, I'm pretty active on that. We've also got a Telegram channel here at, at Pepperstone. So, obviously, you can reach out and get in touch with that. We post charts and trade ideas and, and views as well on, on that sort of thing. But, uh, certainly, I'd, I'd reach out at Chris Weston underscore PS. It's probably the best place to get hold of me. So, I really appreciate um the forum you've given me, and I um, you know, obviously enjoy talking about global markets, so if anyone wants to reach out and talk to, talk to me about their view on markets, I'm always open to debating markets with anyone.
0: Thanks a lot, Chris, and looking forward to doing more of this podcast.